learning from the experience and learning from history and things of that sort. And I think that's that's one thing that I really try to impress upon our young people, our our, our younger generation of storytellers, in terms of in terms of that particular story. You know, while at the same time trying to empower and motivate them to tell their own stories, because we have a whole new generation of storytellers that are coming into play now, which is really, really cool. It's cool to see that, you know. Hey, 2H2Fers, we're back. It's Thursday. You know how we do. We're still wearing the same clothes from Tuesday, but <laughs> it's so much closer to the weekend. Victor is still with us. Once again, hashtag Hispanics in Hollywood, hashtag Latinos in La La Land. I really like it. I'm going to keep using it. Hey, sit back, buckle up. Let's go. Too hard, too fast. Boom. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome to Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Welcome to Too Hard, Too Fast. All right, for you guys listening out there, you know, uh, for you guys who are just accustomed to just sitting back, kicking back, and watching things on the tube, uh, whether it's a movie, whether it's a comedy or dramedy or whatever, and you see someone who does, uh, you see someone who looks like you on screen, particularly if you have brown skin, you know, raza, cultura, Latino, that sort of thing, you know, and you don't stop to think in terms of like, how did that happen? How did we get here? Well, stick around because I will learn you in terms of how we got there, okay? Woo! The truth about Latinos in Hollywood. Only here, too hard, too fast. Let's do it. Podcast. Boom. The podcast of the century. It's the local. When you have young kids, whether it's in elementary or middle school, you know, and I, I love working with these kids because they have not yet been tainted by all of these societal norms, by all of the things that society says or shuns you know, us to talk about and things of that sort. You know, kids in elementary, the kids uh, in middle school, you know, they, they write from the heart. And I think sometimes as adults, we forget that. And I think sometimes we're too, too concerned with what are people going to think? Are they going to like this story? Is this story going to sell? Am I going to make money with that? Instead of just like, hey, write what moves you. And these younger kids, they, that's how they approach their writing process. They write what they know. And I thought, how, you know, how smart is that? Absolutely. Uh, for example, you know, we were studying a lot of these kids you know, are really interested in different kinds of stories. And uh, dude, I love Shakespeare. And these kids shun away from it. They're like, oh, I don't know. That's the dude that speaks funny, right? He talks really <laughs> funny. I'm like, yeah, he does. But hey, you know, so uh, I introduce them to Shakespeare and I'll tell them uh, what they really like because I introduce them how to insult other people using Shakespearean lexicon. <laughs> they love that part of the lesson. So uh, hang around, worm. I'm going to show you too. All right, show me, man. <laughs> I want a lesson. <laughs> people want a lesson. We, we want this. You lesson. know, and I think, you know, like, uh, especially like, for example, middle school, you know, these kids, you know, they're, they're middle school, their hormones are just starting to come into play, you know, the boys are starting to pay attention to the girls, but not as much as the girls are starting to pay attention to the boys, right? And so, you know, we, we uh, I, I guide them along these playwriting 
script writing sessions and stuff like that and everything. And all the girls write about the same thing, you know, relationships and stuff like that. It's just like <laughs> dripping with telenovela stuff, you know. And the boys are writing about, you know, video games and sports and soccer and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like that's where they're at. You know, the girls think they're terribly boring, you know, and that sort of thing. But then, you know, when I introduce them to something like uh, R&J, you know, uh, so I, I take the, the idea that Shakespeare started with Romeo and Juliet. And we call it RNJ, and it's RNJ growing up in the barrio. So basically, we're still using the same story. It's still Romeo and Juliet, you know. And in in uh, in Shakespeare, they're at this ball, you know, and they're all in masquerade until Romeo comes in, you know, and he's from a rival gang, and he sees Juliet, and they fall in love. And I'm like, okay, so guys, how do we change this? How do we change this to like, you know, talk about who we are in our culture? And we're and we talk about it. We talk about it. And we said, oh, why don't we do this? So we, we create together and we're like, hey, I know what. So instead of a ball, you know, we're at a quinceanera. And the girl who's celebrating her quinceanera, you know, is really, uh, is really attracted to this boy who's like from the, maybe the West Side or something like that, which is a big no-no, you know, for <laughs> mom and dad. It's like, you know, uh, they're like, no, que tienes, you know. <laughs> Estás loca, no way. <laughs> so, uh we take stories that are based on classical literature. We kind of like turn them inside out and we try to, we try to, or I try to help the kids understand, okay, now give it a twist, make it your own, personalize it, you know, talk about who we are as a people or a cultura, things of that sort. Uh, and they're coming up with some crazy things and crazy in a good way, you know? And I think it's important to do this uh, because this is our next generation of storytellers. And even now, so I'm telling the same kids, I'm like, dude, you know what? Uh, I, I was teaching middle school maybe three or four years ago. Uh, and I started off at this one school with these sixth graders and I was with them for three years. And now these kids are in high school, right? And they follow me on social media and everything. And these kids, several of them are really into, I mean, they are hooked. They're still like, listen to my story, Mr. T. That's what they call me. And, uh, oh, what do you think about this script, Mr. T? And I have some kids. I have this one kid who's like, uh, he says, he came up to me once and he said, Mr. T, I want to do this. I, I really want to do this. I'm like, all right, we'll do well in class. Here's your homework, blah, blah, blah. I go, no, no, you don't understand, Mr. T. I mean, I really want to do this. I said, where can I take classes, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, okay all right, then this is what you need to do. So, you know, I had to get his parents permission uh, and we met and we talked and stuff like this. This dude, this little kid, he has his own agency now. He's shot three national commercials. He's auditioned for Disney and Nickelodeon. This kid here in San Antonio is doing really, really well, you know, especially for this kid who, you know, just came from nowhere, didn't have a lot of uh, self, you know, a high level of self, self-esteem. And all it takes is just one person, one person to tap you in the shoulder and say, Hey, you can do this. All right. You can do this. Don't, don't worry about what everybody else says. All right. Make it your own, make it your own, you know? So opening doors for, for our new generation of storytellers. I think that's, yeah, that's one thing, like I, I, one thing I want to break as a person or as somebody that's Hispanic, um, this idea where just because you're Hispanic, you're not, you're not capable or you shouldn't have uh, crazy dreams of like being an actor or being, like I said earlier, being in radio, being, 
TV or having like the best podcast on earth, right? So like yeah, we're on our way. <laughs> but I think it's our family's fault. It's our family's fault too, because they always, you know, you always have primos or tias or your parents sometimes. Like that's right. It's not realistic, or or you know how much hard work it's gonna be, or what are the chances? It's like oh my gosh. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't tell them crap. I just do my own thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I left El Paso because I'm like, <laughs> I'd rather try and fail. It's all good. <laughs> yes, yes. Try and fail versus like fail because you believe somebody that said, or not. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you can't some do people it. don't try because they're like, oh, well, I guess they're right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I want to bring it like, it wasn't like, it wasn't my like thing of like, my parents always said, you can do it if you, if you, if you do the work, do it. But I know a lot of friends that their parents said, no, it's not for you. And it's like, so your own parents are like telling you, you can't oh, wow. because you're brown or you can't because, come on, you're from a small town. You're really going to make it in Hollywood or, you know, it's, it's like, just try. That's what I want is like, exactly. just do it. If you want to do it, fail. Exactly. And then my advice, don't tell your parents anything. Don't tell your family anything. Just just go and do it. <laughs> or your friends. Like you said, you need that one person. Doesn't matter who it is is That's and right. so especially if they trust you like if this kid trusts you and they told you this and you told them something different like hey man i was there it was hard like i don't know if exactly. you, for you if you did that who knows how much you would have broken this kid exactly no but exactly. you did the opposite and look what happened exactly exactly yeah absolutely i totally agree with that perfect Thanks. See, people agree with me, Worm. Every now and then, I have good stuff to say. Good, but, <laughs> good, but at the cause, bro, you uh, you ruined his uh, his train of thought. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. T, I want. Um, I'm gonna start calling you Mr. T because like it's you. that's awesome. <laughs> what do you prefer? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Hey, as long as it's good, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, uh, Kind of going back though, so your acting career. Well, I don't know if George wanted to ask more about some of your movies or acting career, but because you you went from an acting career to be to being an educator, right, or a professor, and now I did, I did in elementary. Um, I guess can you tell us kind of those? Yeah, absolutely. So when um when COVID happened, when this whole thing happened, you know, everything just kind of like well, obviously, and, and everyone knows this, everything just stopped everywhere, you know, including including the in, uh, entertainment industry. And right now, you know, California has it really bad. Uh, and, and everybody knows that it, it's just a hot place right now, you know, and, and as far as the industry is concerned, you know, there's not a lot of action happening right now. But that doesn't mean that, that you don't have to stop like, I mean, take opportunities, make them happen, invent things. This is a perfect op- a time to like brush up on skills, whether it's behind the scenes or uh, practice at your writing skills, finish that script that you started years ago and have been putting off for a while. I mean, there's still lots of things that can be done so that when this is knock on wood, finally over, hey, you have product, you have something to show and sell. Hey, uh, it doesn't mean that you can't do it right now. And even... Even the thought of like, here's what I tell a lot of younger people. I said, you know, back in the day when I was doing this, you needed an agent uh, to make this happen. You couldn't negotiate anything without an agent. Today, well, it does help. It helps have an agent, someone who, who has the power to open doors for you, create contacts for you, and go from point A to point B to point C and so forth. But if you don't have that right now, you know, to all our young would-be dreamers who, who who are thinking about doing something like this. Maybe it's 
writing, maybe it's performing, maybe it's directing, you know, one, become a keen observer of life, you know, study, uh, avoid judgment, you know, uh, try to try to assess why people behave and act and react in the manner which they do. Um, keep a journal. You know, I'm a firm believer in that. Journal things, ideas, thoughts, stories that come to your mind. If somebody saw my journal, I think they would commit me because nothing makes sense and everything just looks like, oh my God, he's got problems. You know, and maybe I do. <laughs> there you go. I have my stuff. Yeah, man. See? <laughs> See, we're from the same universe, bro. Yeah, that's not how I was raised. You were, you were my professor. You taught me well. I may have skipped. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I feel gratified, Jorge. I feel gratified. <laughs> hey, was he your worst student? <laughs> that's so, another episode that's all together. All right. I think. I think there was. We did have a, a guest. Uh, a friend of ours on the on the show and he said the first time he met me was in your class and he was trying to talk to me and I was just kind of like hey man I don't know what you're trying to tell me right now but I'm just trying to get out of this class and I had grabbed my stuff <laughs> and I left and he was like oh dang class isn't even over left yet and he just left <laughs> I was like, and that, was, that was my first impression on him. <laughs> Maybe I was the worst student. <laughs> the truth comes out always. Oh. He admitted it. So it goes. And he now, admitted it right there. Right there. <laughs> and now, uh, please do not leave early from this podcast. <laughs> now that the, that the shoe is on the other foot. <laughs> Now, Mr. Oh, Trevino, what was your favorite uh, memory at Olu? At Olu? My favorite memory. Do you have a favorite memory? Actually, or they memory? were simple, man. I think my favorite memories are always centered around students. You know, uh, faculty were cool and stuff like that and everything, but it was the students that kept me there. It was the students who, like, uh, made me feel like it wasn't a job. It was something I really looked forward to going to. I mean, the students were just... Uh, I don't think I was... I don't think I've ever been one of those teachers or educators that are in this for the money because there is none. Uh, it's about being passionate about sharing what you know, you know, with, with other, other uh, you know, uh, students or younger versions of you who are also interested and passionate in what you are, you know, and it's like, it's about helping them, guiding them, mentoring them, and sometimes not giving them all the answers. Sometimes just like prodding them along, just giving them enough information just to help them think about like, okay, so how would I process this? What do I do? And just giving, giving these kids just enough information to guide them along, but not giving them everything they need to know so that something is, they walk away with something. Uh, the, the, there's something that they learn. There's something that they walk away with in, in, in the process. So there is one student at Olu. Uh, I hope he doesn't mind my sharing his name on this. So He's actually a teacher now. He's actually a drama teacher now. So oh, nice. I remember, I remember I was doing, I was directing a show at Olu, uh, and I was like, oh, where am I going to find? I've always liked this play. Uh, I, I did this this, this show in Los Angeles at, at this major theater uh, in Los Angeles, and I always thought I want to do this in San Antonio because uh, I think Rasa can relate to this. It takes place on Day of the Dead. Uh, there's this lead character who thinks he's God's gift to women. 
until he meets this woman who turns the tables on him. Uh, you know, it's just everything about this story resonates with our cultura, you know, uh, with, with the South side, the West side. I thought this is perfect. What I could not find was the right guy to play this role, right? I was like, it has to be someone, you know, who's like, you know, in decent shape, because uh, he has to be somebody, you know, that girls are actually going to look at. He has to be a good actor, a really good actor. He has to, like, know how to play girls and stuff like this and everything. He has to be good with comedy. I mean, the, the, the bill, to fit the, to, to fit the bill with, the, with this character was, you know, I had auditions, had three auditions successfully. I wasn't finding anybody, finding anybody, you know. And uh, I feel like okay. everyone knows who you're talking about. Yes, people, it was me. It was me. <laughs> hey, I don't like that you guys are laughing. Hey, I don't like that laugh. <laughs> oh, oh, I was going to make the same joke and you beat me to it. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Worm had that bod at that time. Okay. Yeah, All right. Let's yeah, just yeah, give yeah. At the time, at the time. I have a dad bod. <laughs> hey, Worm, you got time, dude. You got time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he lived that life. When he came, before, when he went, came to Our Lady of the Lake, he was the captain of the swim Ooh, team, yeah. just chiseled. I was like an Indian Aztec term. And then he had, then he had that max meal plan and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the COVID meal plan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it happens to all of us. <laughs> and then George introduced me to stuff like this, and he just went downhill after that. Yeah, damn that COVID. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but who's this guy? Who's this guy? Exactly. Well, so, okay. One day I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't, maybe I just need to pick a different show, whatever, right? So uh, I always used to work out at the UAC either in the mornings or late afternoons. And one late afternoon, I'm working at the UAC. And for those of you who don't know, the UAC, that's like our version of the gym at Olu, right? And so I'm working there and everything. And I saw one of my students there, you know, and he's working out as well, too. And I, I casually mentioned, I said, yeah, well, we're having auditions for, uh, uh, but he had never really been in theater or drama, like ever, ever, ever. Uh, I said, we're having auditions again, if, you, if you're interested, you know, and I was like, oh, whatever, I'm just going to tell everybody and anybody. And so he says, uh, well, I've never done that before, but yeah, I guess, why not, you know? And he's very, oh my God, I can adjust. He, he's very kind of like happy-go-lucky and he'll try anything once and blah, blah, that sort of thing. And the more I got to know him, I started recognizing similar characteristics that he shared with the character. And I was like, well, that's really, he had no idea I, I was doing the self-assessment, right? So he, uh, he goes to the audition, I give him the script and, and he, did, he, did, he did well, he did, he did, he did good. He, he gave a really good reading. And then I asked him to put the script down and I just gave him an, 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 imp an improvisation. An improvisation for those who are listening and don't know, it's like, uh, I give you a prompt and you just follow along with the prompt, no script, and you just use your own words and body language uh, to kind of like describe uh, what you, your vision of, of the character would do in that, you know? And so uh, I, gave him, I gave him a prompt, I gave him an improv and he was really good. He was really, really good. And so we started rehearsals and it, it, was, it, it, was, <laughs> it, it was, it was interesting, you know, <laughs> for a while, but, he got so good. He got so good. And he put in so much time and so much time. 
He was the first one to get to rehearsal. He was the last one to leave, always asking questions. He goes, I don't know, I'm getting this, help me, help me with this. What does this mean and blah, 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 and stuff like this and everything. And he became so committed and so devoted to all of this. He was like, he was just, he was really, really good. And it was one of the most, I think, one of the strongest shows that, that we did there, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. His name is Juan. Uh, Juan Carlos. But. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if he, I don't think he would mind because it, uh, and you guys couldn't find Juan. And Juan is very outgoing. Uh, check him out on Facebook. Uh, he, he's, he's really an awesome human being. I think he would make an awesome guest actually for this podcast. Yeah, uh, he, he's really awesome. He's really amazing. And I can't, I can't speak too highly of him because he's just amazing he's just an amazing amazing human being an amazing actor so now he's teaching drama he's a drama teacher at a local high school here and dude just to listen uh just check out his thread on facebook he's hilarious he's funny he's hilarious uh you you, you need to know this guy and you probably do from your days at olu yeah we, we weren't uh, uh, friends or acquaintances but i remember seeing him around uh, check him out. You should contact him. I, he's he's an awesome human being. He's a great actor. Uh, I remember one time, one time, and he will tell you this. He Juan will tell you this. He goes, "Yeah, Vic, I remember. I remember our rehearsals, and I remember those those days." He goes, "I remember one day, I was so frustrated with the role, and you were frustrated too, Vic. You were frustrated too. I went up to you, and I was looking for direction, Vic, and I remember that you paused and you looked at me and you said, Juan." Just be better. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I own that. <laughs> I remember that. But he's awesome. He's doing really well now. And you probably recognize him in some, some commercials that he's been doing around town. Uh, he's a father. Uh, th- this guy should have his, his own show as well, too. Uh, I, I highly encourage that you contact him. He would make a great guest. We will. Or I say I will because Worm doesn't do any of the legwork. Nah. Um, I just show up, man. I just show up and drink. That's what George. That's how I support George. I just don't, <laughs> the thing is, I tell him all you have to do is show I up. I think I'm a good and friend. Something to say and show up before the guest. And obviously, he's already failed twice, twice in a row. He showed up before he did. I gotta show my boss, man. Um, but, uh, I didn't want to skip over the Pee Wee. Because I, I, that was like um, something I knew as a, as a child. Oh. Um, that I, but obviously, honestly, I never made the connection. I, like I said, I had, you, I, I had you for voice and diction, and I took a performance class with you. And I think, at the, I mean, at the time, like you said, that you felt like you were going to be a performer, and you, 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 you had it in you, like that feeling. For me, I've always had this feeling where I want to, I feel like there's something in me that's supposed to do something big, something good. I still don't know what it is. I don't know if this is what it is, but whatever I'm doing, like something's supposed to happen. Like I've always had that right. feeling. Uh, but acting I knew wasn't for me. Like, But... I enjoyed the idea of it and I took the class because I wanted to see where it went. Um, it wasn't for me. And I think uh, you put me 
on the back end of, I wasn't an actor in the play that we were working in, in the class. And that kind of pissed me off. Because okay. <laughs> I do, I'm one for wanting attention. And I was like, well, if I'm working in the class and I'm not in the play, it, yeah, you know, was like, culo. I remember that. <laughs> It was also on me. I, w I wasn't trying. I wasn't trying to be an actor. I wasn't trying. <laughs> I think something that happened there, I was like, I want more of this. I want to be able to, whatever I do next, I want to be part of the show versus behind the show, you know? Right, right. Um, and then also with voice induction, I, I still like, how you carry myself, carry my voice out, and how I portray it, whether it's in the, like before, before the podcast, I had a I had a, another YouTube channel where we went out to the community and try to find people that are making a positive impact, and I did that with my wife, who you know, Jennifer. Yeah, yeah. Who, by the way, she said, if you don't make this shout out, I'm gonna hate you. Uh, <laughs> Jennifer is best friends with your daughter and she wanted to make sure that I put that out there. <laughs> Her I and your daughter. Me the same thing. My daughter was telling me the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> make sure you say it. Make sure you say it. But uh there you go. But with that like every everything I did that there was a you know you still made some some impact in me whether I was leaving class early or not. The things you said made an impact and you know <laughs> I would even tell you, I remember, I don't know why this sticks with me, but I remember we were standing in line and we we're supposed to act something now. And you go, hold on guys. Like seriously, when have you ever seen a movie, a TV show or a play where everybody stands in the same lane? Like you guys can stagger yourself. You have this whole stage. Use it. Why are you guys standing in line? You know? And so that's always stuck with me. Like, Something so simple like that is like you can make things so much better by just <laughs> so, so you know stuff stuck with me whether you know I make make fun of the the fact that I was leaving or whatever. I think you made an impact with me, so I appreciate that. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> now I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> But uh, um, that's all good. Oh, you were talking about peewees. Oh, peewee, yeah. yeah. So um, what that I do, um, I remember never made the connection that you were the soccer player in there. And I never made the connection at first that you were in American Me, like until somebody goes, you know who your professor is? Puts in the DVD, goes, that's your professor. How is that your professor? And you haven't made it a thing. It's like, I didn't even think about it. Like it was just like, I was... I'm skipping class. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I was like, oh, like See that's what you get for skipping class. Damn yeah. you! <laughs> and it was actually it was a guy um, that wasn't part of the school. Like he just knew. I guess he saw you or something, whatever. Or he, well, I don't know how. Yeah. But he was, yeah. oh, can you get an autograph for me? I was like, I don't think, I don't think he likes me. <laughs> 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 so like, no, I'm not gonna go with your DVD and say. Oh, can you can you autograph this for my friend? <laughs> Would you have like, done it though, Mr. Trevino? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I remember you. You're the dude that always leaves my class early, right? Uh, and you want me to sign what? <laughs> I don't think I could do it. <laughs> But uh, so I do want to go back to Pee Wee. Like, what was the experience there? 
was uh was that one of your first biggest things you've done because that show was huge yeah for tv it was uh i remember my brother my younger brother at the time in la on saturday mornings watching peewee's playhouse you know and i'd never really seen it uh i, I was always focused on like i was involved involved in theater uh, or some some sort of a rehearsal or something. So I was at, hardly ever at the house, uh, particularly, you know, w watching TV on a Saturday morning. Uh, and one Saturday morning, I saw him watching this show that looked kind of weird, kind of zany. And it was like, uh, I'm like, what are you watching? He goes, hey, it's Pee Wee's Playhouse. It's pretty cool. You should check it out. I was like, mm, I don't know. Well, like about a week or two later, I get a call from my agent saying, hey, uh, they're they're casting for a series regular for this show. Um, and for our listeners who don't really understand what that is, a series regular is, is more than just like a character comes in and does a show for one time. A series regular is someone who's going to be part of the storyline, part of the characters that appears, you know, in every, almost every episode and things of that sort, which means there's a lot more money involved. So your ears perk up when you hear something <laughs> like that. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, okay, show me the script and stuff. And so I read, I read the, the, the audition script. And uh, it was, it was, I didn't, I didn't quite get it at first. So I started, I started my homework. I started watching as much Pee Wee's Playhouse as I could. And it, it seemed very zany. All the characters were like bigger than life and stuff like that. And I need to add that at the same time, I had just finished my classical training master's program mm. at UCLA, you know, and I was all about, you know, talk about voice and diction. I was all of you know, classical literature and Shakespeare. I loved Shakespeare, you know, and I did a lot of Shakespearean uh, roles throughout LA County at this time. I remember showing up at the audition and almost just turning my car around and walking away. There, there were so many guys in line uh, waiting to audition. And I was like, oh man, I don't even know if I want to do this, you know? And so I remember calling my agent and I was like, Chris, there's like, the line goes all the way around the block, Chris. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even think this is worth it. He says, Vic, you're an actor, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, what else do you have to do this afternoon? <laughs> I was like, all right, all right, all right. You know, so I, I took out the script. And I, was, I just waited, waited. It was a long ass audition. And so uh, I went to the first, that was the first audition. Pee Wee Herman was not there i was reading for the casting director uh and i didn't hear anything for a couple of months and then chris can gets a call again your audition with us what's that can you do your audition with us do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> later later where later, right. and so i was like uh i was like uh about six months later i get a call and the the number of, of of guys at the audition was dramatically decreased. You know, there was like twenty five guys, and we were doing the same thing. You know, um, and it was the casting director and the producers. Uh, and I don't know in the next room in the video if Pee Wee was there or not. I don't know, but I do know that we got a lot more instruction that at that time, uh, and then did it. I went home, forgot about it, and then a week later I got another call, and this time Pee Wee was there. And I was nervous. And uh, I, I like, I don't know why I got nervous. And I'm telling myself, he's just a person just like you, just like you, just like you. He's just a person just like you. And so I did the audition. Remind, remember, I, I, was, I was doing all this classical training and stuff like this and everything. And then, you know, that's how I did my audition. And he stops me midway and everything. He says, hey, Vic, 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 
first of all, he goes, I need you to forget everything that you learned about classical theater training at UCLA. <laughs> it's, it's valuable. He goes, it's helpful, but not for this. He goes, I want you to think in terms, I want you to give yourself permission to be as big as you can. It's like a human cartoon almost. And when he said that, a light bulb went up in my mind. And I was like, that totally took me in a different direction. And then I just took ownership of Ricardo in an entirely different way. ¿Qué te pareció, Ricardo? How was that, Ricardo? <laughs> Muy bien, Pee-wee. <laughs> uh, and I said, hey, is it okay if I use Spanish? And he says, yes. He goes, mm -hmm. in fact, if you can speak Spanish, I would like to incorporate Spanish into this role. And from that moment, I was like, yes, yes. And that's when I knew, okay, I want this. I, I, I want this. Uh, and so I did. Uh, I did some improvs with Spanish. All I got there was, hold on a minute, Pee Wee. What I said was, let me go over it once more. Déjame explicarte lo una vez más so the boys and girls can see how it's done. Para que los niños vean cómo se hace. Uh, and I remember that Miss Yvonne, uh, the character who plays Miss Yvonne, um, was there, Lynn Stewart. And she's, she's a, oh my, she's a, just an amazing human being. And so I did that. And then uh, after that, there was yet another callback. And I think there was three of us. And I was, I was nervous. I was nervous. Uh, at that point, I felt like, I felt like it was important for whoever got this, that it was a Latino, that it was a Latino. And there were three of us, all three of us were Latino. You know, uh, I was glad to see that this was happening. I thought it'd be cool if it was me, but at least it's a Latino that, that, that's in the running, okay? And it was me. And so then uh, it was working with, with Pee Wee and working with uh, some of the other series regulars, you know, like, um, like uh, Larry Fishburne, oh, I'm sorry, Lawrence Fishburne now, you know, it's like, uh, and, uh, and Miss Yvonne, just wonderful, wonderful artists. And what I really liked about them was like, there is this amazing, phenomenal uh, comedy troupe in Los Angeles. And for those of you who are not familiar, you know, just Google the Groundlings, the Groundlings oh. in, in, in LA, and they have a history, like, Every major comic that has come out of the Groundlings has excelled in one way or another on TV or, or film or, or things of that sort, you know, and that's where, that's where this idea came from. Paul, uh, Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens, started the idea for, for uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse at the Groundlings. It was a small little stage show. Now, the Groundlings, you know, it, you can have some shows or skits that are a little risque, a little bit, a little more pointed towards the adult, uh, you know, uh, spectrum. Uh, and it was, and it very much was. And even Pee Wee's Playhouse was, because th there was a lot of like things that kind of went over the kids' heads, but the adults were like, wait, what did he just say? You know, <laughs> things of that sort. I made Ricardo a logbook so he can keep track of each time he scores in a game. To Ricardo, my favorite tight end. <laughs> So it was kind of cool and kind of funny that way. The show uh, was first done in New York for the first three years. And the first Latino on that show was, was the was the Roland who portrayed Tito, uh, uh, who was like a, a, a lifeguard on the show. 
And uh, I think he did two seasons before he wanted to return to college. He, he wanted to study medicine, from what I understand. I never met him, uh, but he initiated, he opened that door to like a Latino being in the show and that sort of thing, which I thought was cool. And then uh, when the show moved to Los Angeles, that's when a whole series of auditions were, were, were being held for, for the role of uh, Ricardo, you know. Uh, and there were a lot of things that, a lot of doors opened uh, for me when that came out. I remember I was doing a show in Orange County, California. It was about like almost an hour's drive north of, of I, was, I was doing a, a play at this major theater. Uh, it was during Christmas. And I remember I had to get some Christmas gifts and I, I was involved in theater and doing shows and I had time to do Christmas shopping. So at the time there was a store called Toys R Us. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, so I'm, I'm walking through Toys R Us and I'm looking for just like, I don't know, something. And I'm in this area where all these like figures, like superhero figures and stuff like that. And I freeze. I stop in my tracks when I see this figure that has my face on it. And I'm looking at this and I slowly walk up to it and I grab it from the thing. And it's a Ricardo doll. It's, and then right next to it is Pee Wee Herman. And then there's, uh, there's the other characters from the show. And I'm looking at this thing. I'm like, oh, wow, this is, this is me. So I bought all 20 of them. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have any of them? <laughs> and I'm looking at this thing. And it's like, and recently I checked on eBay. They go for 30 bucks right now. Just an FYI, okay? Nice. <laughs> so you, do you still have any of them? Do you still have them? I do. I do. I do actually. And if, if you Google like Ricardo doll or whatever and stuff like that. Okay. First of all, all right. The doll does not look like me. <laughs> red, red lips. It's got huge arms and stuff like this. And well, then it says, we know you have huge arms. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Show, hey, show us those biceps, man. <laughs> but one way that we're different though, Worm, is that it said, it says made in China on the, on the, you know, where, no, not there. I mean, like on the back. <laughs> no, not the... <laughs> it's not a uh, echo in Mexico. Sure. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. So you know, overall, that was that was that was an awesome, amazing uh, experience, and and to be a part of those of those artists, you know, was was really empowering, and I think it really really gave me the belief in that, you know, hey, I can do this too. I can do this too. I can write too, just like them. I, I, can, I, can, I can tell stories just like them. Uh, I, I don't think I had that same degree or caliber of, of self-esteem that they had, but I learned through working with them. I mean, these were like tops in their field in terms of the writing and performing and stuff like that. And also I thought it was so like, but how? how do you get the story told on a network? How do you get the networks interested? How do you get the networks to buy your, you know? And then I thought it's, it's not, it's not magic. There, there, there is no, there's no trickery involved. It's just believing in your project, writing from the heart. Don't write for other people. And I think that's the biggest mistake that a lot of like would-be writers, especially in LA or people who are trying to like make it, you know, they, they, they try to second guess, you know, what are they looking for? What's going to make the most money? What's the next blockbuster? It's like, nobody knows that. 
Nobody knows that, you know. Uh, I couldn't tell you, you know, what story or storyline's gonna win at Cannes or Sundance or the next Oscars. You know, these are storytellers who simply write from the heart. You know, uh, don't try to find your audience. The audience will find you. Um, just tell the story in the best way that you can, you know, uh, and that's what we do. That's what we do. I like that. I like that. And um, one of the last, actually, last thing I really want to ask, and I, Worm has a few more questions, but one thing you said was people wanted to change your name, wanted to change your attitude. And you're like, no, that's yeah. just me. Do you think that nowadays, now, like present time, regardless of uh, pinche COVID, um, <laughs> you think Hollywood still wants to change our names? If we go in there with a Rodriguez, a Trevino, a uh, Lopez, do you think that now it's like, hey, we got you? Given in mind thinking, the person I keep, I always remember is James Roday, San Antonio native, who his name is, his real name was James Rodriguez, but he he says a lot that he changed changed his name. He stars in lots of new uh, shows. He was in Psych. He's been in movies. He's, uh, right now, I think he's in. A lot of little things, I think that's called. Uh, anyways, he changed his name because he didn't want to be casted in the typical Mexican role, Hispanic role, which I guess you can say is the gangster, the cholo, or, you know. So he changed his name to James Roday. He's a little more light-skinned and just recently said, I'm changing it back to Rodriguez, and I regret that I ever did in the first place. Um, so with that train, the thought, do you think that Hollywood has changed at least progressed enough or still trying to progress? I think Hollywood has changed, um, progressed. I think it's changed and I, I am no one, uh, to, to, to cast judgment, you know, on this actor that you were just talking about. He had his reasons and I totally understand that. And I also had fellow artists, fellow colleagues, fellow performers uh, who chose to do that, you know, and I, I, I respect that, you know, that, that, that those are choices that they felt comfortable with. And I totally respect that. Um, in the eighties and nineties, you know, when I would walk into a casting office and the directors would look at me and the one thing I think that I would like to get our listeners to understand is like the differences between casting in the eighties and nineties and casting now is this in the eighties and nineties, you had to be labeled. They had to know where to put you. They had to know how to categorize you. So time and time again, I was asked the same kinds of questions they said, uh, so Trevino, what kind of name is Trevino? You know, and you have to, you know, if you're going to, you don't, you don't burn bridges in this right. industry. You don't burn bridges. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, well, I said, it's, um, you know, I, I'm Latin. I, I'm, I'm, you know, Mexican and Spanish. Uh, it's Latino. Uh, and they said, it, it almost sounds Greek or ethnic. Could you play Greek? I said, yes, I could play Greek. Uh, 
I said, I can also, I can also play a myriad of other characters. You know, I said, if you'll notice on my resume, there were times when I would walk in, uh, you know, I, I had my master of fine arts, you know, and the difference between a master's and a master of fine arts is that a master of fine arts uh, requires ultimately much more specificity, much more research, much more work, you know, in your area of study. And mine was acting, you know, and so there was three really arduous, long years of, of study with top notch people. Uh, these weren't these weren't just like traditional professors. Uh, I studied with people who were top notch uh, artists who would come from uh, New York or Broadway or Los Angeles. And I, we were studying with them, you know, uh, so that when when I was asked in casting sessions, like, oh, my goodness, I can still remember this like yesterday. It would annoy me when they would say I would read the script and then they would say, OK, now, can you do it with with an accent? That this used to bother me. It used to bother me. And I remember one time I was like, and I didn't get the job. <laughs> it bothered me. And I said, yeah, I can do it with an accent. I said, you know, um, I can do it in German, French, Italian. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I can do it in Australian, you know. And I'd studied. I'd studied uh, dialect and accents for, for, for two years. And I remember the castinger looking at me and saying, you know what I mean. And it was at that point, I didn't even give, I, I didn't care. I, I just didn't care about that. I was just so frustrated and annoyed that yet again, I'm still, I still have to fit this, this, I have to be put into a box. I have to be put into a category before you even consider me for a role, you know, uh, up to this point, dude, I had played, I had played landscapers. I had played, you know, uh, questionable characters of every sort. You know, uh, if you were a male in the eighties or nineties, you know, you were delegated to playing roles such as, you know, rapists, thieves, uh, you know, uh, things of that sort. If you were, if you were a girl, you know, you were always a maid, you know, or a lady of the streets, things of that sort, you know? And I was like, no, I, I can, I can play other things. I remember, you know, scraping off enough money to create my demo reel. And I I did some research. I purposefully sought out this guy who created some awesome, amazing demo reels. I, and I, I, I looked at some, some scenes. One was like a doctor. Another one was an attorney and just like these white color, white collar things. I remember going up to the guy and I said, so this is what I want on my reel. He goes, are you sure? He goes, you don't want anything that's like Spanish or whatever. I said, no. <laughs> no, that's what I want. <laughs> uh, the Spanish is in me already. The yeah. Spanish is me. It's my face. It's on you me. Don't I don't have to advertise my Spanish. I said, no. and I did it. And I started getting work. I started getting more work. So how does that differ from our casting process today? As I mentioned earlier, you know, I think not to pat myself on the back, but I think a lot of, of me and many other fellow artists, especially when we were working at Nosotros back in the day, you know, when we were, we started, you know, we, we, we started making noise about in a respectful manner about the fact that we weren't being given the, the, the same opportunities. And by that, I mean, um, given the opportunities to, to audition for the same kinds of roles 
that our colleagues who are of fairer skin colors, you know, uh, were, were being given. And all we wanted was equal opportunity. We, we, we didn't want to be given anything. We just wanted the opportunity to, hey, can we audition for that as well, too? If we're not right, you know, as far as skill level or talent, fine, we're not right. But can we have the same opportunity regardless of our skin color? So in the 80s and 90s, casting casting people and because that's where it starts it starts with casting it starts with writing and producing and you have people you had people you had white people you know who are awesome human beings perhaps but as far as knowing the cultura knowing how we live think and breathe you know it's just not the same it's not the same you know so more noise started happening more noise started happening and then I think members of the Academy, we've all heard, heard of like the Academy Awards. So I remember going to uh, the Academy is actually a, a building, a huge building on Beverly Boulevard, in L.A. I remember going to the Academy and as a SAG member, a Screen Actors Guild member, uh, I would go to the uh, to the third floor where the library was at. And I would just scour through scripts, scour through scripts. I'm looking through all the members and stuff like this and everything. And the Academy was a huge uh, like just learning playground for me in terms of how does this work? How does this industry work? You know, and I'm looking, I was just looking through databases of like artists with Spanish surnames and looking at them and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, wow, there's a lot of us here. There's a lot of us here and very few of us are even like working and it is not because we don't want to or not trying it's because we're not being given the same opportunities you know so uh we started we started making noise respectfully you know uh and bringing attention to the fact that we were not being given the same opportunities we did not want a handout we were not asking for that we just simply wanted the same opportunities to audition and read you know as our you know as our colleagues and fellow artists who just happen to be white you know, we're being given. That's all we wanted. Uh, and slowly over the years, when more of us started sitting behind some of those desks, when some of us started slowly becoming some of those decision makers, designers, performers, directors, producers, things started changing over the years. So that now diversity in casting is not only something that's being considered, Diversity in casting all today, now, it, it's almost a requirement if you want your project to move forward, which is awesome and amazing. And I'm, I'm thrilled to see that happen, you know, I, I, and I'm, I'm proud of the fact that that we kind of we were kind of like shakers and movers in the 80s and 90s during that time. You know, so, I mean, I know a lot of a lot of these younger actors that are out there, they have no idea. They have no idea, you know. Uh, the, the 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 time the effort the sweat that went on behind you know holding a picket sign and standing in front of paramount or standing in front of the casting office and trying to pass out leaflets and trying to make noise no one knows that no one knows that you know uh but they're in those series now and they're doing those roles now and they're doing those feature films now you know and they have a voice and i'm happy for that i'm happy for that and yeah how you were saying not to pat myself on the back but you know what you do deserve that credit and because for a lot of these people that you're mentioning that are they're now that may not know of the struggle that will or 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 the protest, but you probably influence them like like I said, American me, blood in blood out, 
that was one of the that was one of the first things we saw as culture, raza, brown people on the big screen. So yeah. regardless, like that probably influenced them in one way. I know for me it was like seeing somebody like me, like you said, somebody like me on the screen. So regardless, like I think you deserve credit and everybody that uh, acted alongside of you and still continue to push forward the efforts. So, hey, pat yourself uh, on the I, back. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But, I'll take it. Thanks, And man. I do want to say, like, I'm, I, I think at the time when I learned about James Roday and, you know, he doesn't know who I am. He's probably never going to know who I am. So, but when I first found out, I was like, oh, man, this guy's Mexican. And he's, like, in one of the biggest shows of today. Yeah. I was like, dang. So it kind of, like, it hurt. Like, I was like, dude, you're one of us. And yeah. But no. I was, like, I didn't, I, I, I had that thing. But also, I was like, oh, you got to do what you got to do, man. Like, I was like, yeah. at the time. Yeah. But also, without even knowing, when I introduced myself here, it's like, it's George and Worm. George and Worm. And my name's not George. It's Jorge. You've been calling me. You're the only guest that has called me Jorge. Other than my wife, when my wife gets on the podcast and she starts yelling at me on the podcast and calls me Jorge. Uh, I, just, I just call him ass. <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't surprise me, Worm. It doesn't surprise me. No. <laughs> So yeah, anytime I get called Jorge is when either my wife or my mom are getting after me. <laughs> so, but yeah, so uh, I've always I don't know why. Like I've I've came in, into San Antonio and people started calling me George, and I just ran with it and I was like, okay, yeah. I'm tired of having to correct my them. Yeah. And the only time I tell is like once you start saying George, George, George of the jungle. That's when my name is no longer George. It's Jorge. <laughs> oh, I never made that association. No, no. <laughs> but That's yeah, awesome. so I don't like no judgment. You know, I always say, hey, welcome back. It's George and Worm, whatever. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so Jorge. My name's Jorge. Nice to meet you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, oh, man. There was one more thing that. I want to ask you before we get to Worm's final question. Maybe he has other questions. I don't know. I've been speaking over him. I'll limit it just to more. That's it. <laughs> but Jen <laughs> wanted me to ask you, how do you prep for your voiceovers? She showed me, I think, years ago. Maybe it was years. Maybe it was two years ago. Maybe it was last year. But I remember she was like, you know what Victor Vigno just posted on his uh, social media? Like a reel of all his voiceovers? And we were sitting there listening to them. I was like, how is this the same guy? How is it like, so she wanted to know how do you prep yourself to do a voiceover? And how do you like change it to where one voice doesn't always sound to, like the other voice? Well, uh, first of all, I, I start thinking in terms of uh, who the character is, what the character is thinking or feeling, and, and what is he trying to say? And by that, I mean, not actually, not the actual words, that are printed in the voiceover, but like, well, what's inside? What's inside you? What, what are you really trying to say? What, what, what's, what, what lies underneath the actual script or the words? And just flying with that, you know, and just trying to connect with the words and not even thinking of them as words, thinking of this, what would a real human being who is dealing with these circumstances, you know, uh, and sometimes, and here's the trick, 
sometimes you're given a script by a director or a writer or whatever, you know, and you have no idea. You have no idea, you know, like what's the backstory? Who is this person? Blah, blah, blah. And I think the, the one key thing and for like listeners out there who are interested in doing something like this. Well, first of all, contact me and I will help you. But for listeners out there who are interested in either like performing, you know, the one key thing you need to think about is like, don't treat it as a script. If you're performing, if you're, if, if you're doing voiceover or acting on stage or in a movie, you know, think in terms of like the magic, what if, okay, what if I was caught in this situation, what would I do? And the reason I say that is because if you use yourself uh, in, in this place uh, using the same, the same circumstances in which the character finds himself in, you know, you personalize it, you make it your own. And by doing that, when you say the words, it's not going to come out like some cartoon thing or whatever. You're saying it because you can relate to what's, to what's being felt, what's being said. So in essence, what I'm trying to say is, you know, uh, personalize it. Use the magic what if, things of that sort. There's so many different voice. I've done so many voiceovers o- over the years. You know, some of our like character types, like people in the street or professional types, things of that sort, you know? And if you notice, you know, uh, all of, everyone sounds really different. So it's like connecting with the material, making it human, uh, and not really trying to, don't try to pretend, just be, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, the other thing I wanna, right before, I know I keep saying one more, one more question. <laughs> I do wanna ask, I, I've seen the preview for The Good Wolf. Ah, and it looks awesome. I just don't know where to watch it. And I really want to watch it. Like, where can somebody find it? I'm so glad you mentioned that. Uh, The Good Wolf and the filmmaker behind that, you know, is an amazing human being, an amazing filmmaker. Um, Right before COVID hit, uh, this was way before COVID, you know, uh, and I was still teaching and I was like, I really want to do something. I really want to connect with the film community uh, somewhere here in San Antonio or Texas. And I remember looking at... Uh, the Texas Film Commission's website. And for those of you who are, who are listening and are interest, interested in learning, you know, about uh, opportunities, we're going we're gonna to connect with things like this. Check out the Texas Film Commission's website. Uh, there are always opportunities there for, for uh, crew, tech people, uh, performers, and things of this sort. And many of them are up-and-coming filmmakers who are looking for people who will, one, work for free, but, hey, don't shun that because, you know, hey, Today's unknown filmmaker is tomorrow's, you know, like you never know. You just never know. So I was there one weekend. I was looking at some at, 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 some, at some movies. I mean, at, at, at some casting notices. And I saw this thing for The Good Wolf. Uh, and there was a brief bio about, you know, this, this prisoner who escapes from prison and he befriends a young boy and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, huh, sounds interesting. And I looked at the audition dates. Uh, the audition dates were like, uh, it, it, it was like that day, that day. <laughs> and I was like, holy crap. So should I try this? So I did. I went down there and uh, and I auditioned uh, for the director, and it was it was actually a really intense audition. Uh, this character uh, and I love the writing because it was multi multi dimensional. It wasn't like a cartoon character. This guy really knew how to write, and that's what intrigued me. Uh, the better the writing, um, the the more ammunition you're going to give your performer to create this three-dimensional life on camera. And I rolled with it. I took my time with it, you know, and I really envisioned myself, you know, as this person, 
and the audition was over and I remember there was silence and he just stood at me, he just stared at me. He goes, okay, okay. All right, well, well, thank you, thank you. And then I wasn't even halfway home when I got a call saying, hey, we'd like to offer you the part. And I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Now, granted, you know, uh, the jobs you're gonna find on this website, okay? These are all people coming from the same places as far as like, hey, we all just wanna work. We all wanna, wanna tell stories. You know, so you're not doing this. If you're doing, if you're looking for money or fame, forget it. This is not the place to do that. But if you're looking for opportunities to learn and develop your craft, whether it's in front of or, or behind the camera, then I would strongly encourage you to do that. And there's other resources. There's many other places where you can do this. Contact me on my website and I'm happy to help you and guide you. Uh, but this particular guy, uh, you know, and I don't like at this point in, in my life, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of like picky, you know, in terms of what am I going to, what am I going to spend the next three months on? So I, as much as he's interviewing me I, in, in a way, I'm kind of like checking him out as well too. And he was just amazing, uh, an amazing human being. And I could sense immediately that this guy really knows how to connect with people. And it shows in his writing. His writing was awesome. Um, uh, he, he gave me permission. He says, make it your own. He says, I, I've done what I can as the writer. Now I'd like for you as the performer to give it life in front of the camera. And I'm giving you permission to do whatever you, whatever you feel you want to do. And that's all I needed to hear. Uh, we shot in South Texas. It was a long, long, hot, sometimes miserable uh, days of shooting for anyone Anyone who lives in South Texas or is, and knows the, the Texas heat, you know, and it all of it takes place outside in a tall tree, in a tree house, in the middle of summer, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God, it was it, it was miserable. I remember having to grow a beard and facial hair and letting my hair grow out. You know, I was I was this this distraught kind of like inmate. Uh, who was serving time for a crime I didn't commit. I was framed, blah, 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 sort of thing. Uh, and we did it. And there were two younger boys in, 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 in the film, uh, one of whom is doing really well because of, of the work he's generated from this. We were, um, because of COVID, the show had difficulty finding a place to premiere. And then it, uh, it found a, its first official premiere was at the Kanab Film Festival in Utah, and it won Best Picture there. I remember the, the guy who runs the festival, he contacted me on my social media, and he was like, hey, I just want to congratulate you, you know, of the film that all of you worked on, uh, just won Best Picture. He goes, we don't have a category for Best Actor, but I just want you to know that if we did, you definitely would have walked away with it. It, it, was, it, was, it was a really a, a, a good a good strong story just all around, you know, and I thanked him for that. I said, well, I, I, you know, I can't, I can't claim all that because, you know, the two boys who were there in the scenes with me, you know, uh, the writing, I said, it was a collaborative effort. Uh, and that's the one thing to remember, you know, for young actors, young performers, you know, if you're getting into this because you want to get famous, are you getting into this just because, you know, if it has to do with vanity, um, I would suggest doing something else, you know, or I don't know, just, but, you know, 
it, it's, it's a collaborative medium, which means that, you know, uh, the writer comes into play, the performers come into play, the designers come into play, the editor, everyone has their own way of shaping and structuring the story. It's not all just me, 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 you know, and does that happen? Yeah, of course it does. And you hear those kinds of stories all the time. But I think the best stories are those stories in which um, all the collaborators come together uh, and there's a give and take. Uh, the bottom line is not about me. The bottom line is what serves the story best. You know, everyone has ideas, which one of these ideas, regardless of whose idea it is, which one of these ideas serves the story best. And with The Good Wolf, you know, it, ha it, has, it has had great reception from everyone. So where is it now and where do you see it? Um, Will, uh, the director's name is Will Shipley. And it, it, if you search for him on social media, he's an amazing guy and an amazing filmmaker and storyteller. Will Shipley, S-H-I-P-L-E-Y. And I don't think he minds if I, if I share his name. Uh, yeah. George, he, he book is, him as a guest. He, <laughs> oh, hey, his, hey his we're going to name drop again. So. Hey, he's, uh, he's part Latino. His mom's Latina. Well, and know. it's like, I'm on <laughs> and he's, uh, and he's, uh, uh, he, he, he's from San Antonio. He's a great guy. Tell mention my name when you mention, when you, when, when you contact him, if you do, he's a great guy. Great guy. Awesome. I think you were right here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And he's a great guy. Great storyteller. I mean, he's got stories that he can share with you. Oh my God. This guy's awesome. Uh, you'd really dig this guy. He's a cool cat. Cool right. cat. But did he change uh, his but, name from Suarez? From Suarez to Shipley. That's what I want to know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big question, right? <laughs> or Sanchez to Shipley. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, right. Okay. Will is still looking for a home for okay. this, okay? Uh, and until that happens, I think it's just like a, a wait and see kind of situation. But as soon as I find out, you know where it lands or where it will find it, it, its home, so to speak. Uh, I'll keep you guys connected and so that you can share that with your viewers as well, too. Perfect, That's perfect. Awesome. And definitely because I really want to see it. I mean, that, yeah. that yeah. one snippet of the, you know, the preview, it looked really good. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. I, I it, It's one of my favorites, it, oh. if I may say so, yeah. What's your movie? Maybe after we, we watch it, we should uh, you should come back on and we'll discuss it. Awesome, dude! Yeah, I'll bring my notes. That would be awesome to do, though. That would be cool. It would. It would. That's a good idea. That's a good idea for a future show. Yeah. All right, Wormsers. All up to all you. Right, one one last question. So, uh, and I'm gonna give you a little bit of time to think about it because uh, I need to step away very quick, but um. Give us a too hard, too fast story, whether it be about yourself or, you know, just whatever you uh, feel comfortable sharing and stuff. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, the first thing, I think the one thing that, because uh, if, if there's like, I'm all, I'm all about, you know, our next generation of storytellers and our youth. Uh, that, that's like always been and always will be a passion of mine. Uh, so my too hard, too fast uh, recommendation would be, you know, if you have a dream, hold on to it. If you have a dream, don't let go of it uh, in spite of the fact that everyone may tell you, hey, that's not going to work out. That's not a good, a good idea. Things of that sort. And just be proactive on it. Uh, don't let go. That's my too far too fast recommendation. I like that. Good. And with that said, we're closing out another podcast down the drain. 
It's been fun. We've learned a lot. Yeah. We've learned, even though he hasn't said it, we learned that Vic Trevino, I wasn't his favorite student. Uh, and that's okay with me. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I also learned that I, I also learned enough from him. So once again, Vic Trevino, thank you for making an impact on me. Thanks for the movies that you made, the TV show that you made, yeah, thank you. that you were a part of. Um, Paving the way. Paving the way for the brown people, for La Raza. <laughs> for La Raza, <laughs> eso, exactly. <laughs> no. Uh, locos, pero locos. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> um. No, it's all good, man. Uh, this has been my pleasure, actually. You know, and if you have if you have listeners out there who are interested in any of this, you know, hey guys, uh, contact me. I'm happy to help and guide. You know, check me out on my media, uh, VicTrevinoActor.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, things of that sort. Yeah, I'm all about helping. So if you have questions about that, you know, check me out, VicTrevinoActor.com. Uh, let me know. It's also in the description of if you're watching this on. YouTube, it's in the description. If you're listening on Spotify or any other podcast platform, check that description. It's all on there. Awesome. Uh, once again, thanks for your time. Uh, Warm, what do you expect? There you go. <laughs> all, right. all right. Hold up. Hold up. Hey, hey. hey. Uh, uh, so what I got to say, good company, good wine, good welcome can make good people. Henry VIII, Act 1, Scene 4. Ooh, awesome awesome you'd make an awesome henry the eighth dude <laughs> I, think I, would too. I feel like that's a fat joke but that's okay i like that <laughs> oh but with that said guys remember dare to be you dare to be weird bye okay guys see you next time perfect i like that <laughs> can, can you do that again with an accent though you're pissing me off worm you're pissing me off that is true that is perfect